Well, folks, it's Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... Hasn't it been, Kristen? Uh, is it Friday yet? I feel like we've gone through a whole month in four days. Uh, I mean, I feel the same. Feel the same. Yeah, yeah. It's been really crazy. We've met so many great people. We've done so many great interviews. And uh, we've got mentees lining up, knocking on the door, which is So the rumor on the street last Thursday was, in fact, correct. Wasn't it? Yeah, word on the street was all true. Through that, Fred. Through that. So, yep, so we met a fabulous lady who has previously been a guest on the show who's looking at going into, guess what, a partnership in franchising. So are we talking about platinum rule David type of partnership? It was right up David's alley. Hmm. And you yeah. said it's a so past have, guest. How much more perfect could it be? She is a wealth manager. She understands finances very well. She is in the midst now of doing a little bit of research. Um, we this week had an opportunity to have her chat with all of us. And we interviewed her. She interviewed us. Now she's got a little bit of homework to do. And then our next session is she gets to choose who will be her mentor, her million dollar mentor for the next several weeks to help her evaluate, is this really as good of a deal as it feels for her? Is this really the right brand for her? And is this really gonna be the lifestyle that she wants it to be? And not only the, the business that she's looking at could potentially not only provide a new adventure for her, but it could also help her grow her current business. So it's a very interesting kind of uh, situation that she has an opportunity to join. So I'll be very curious to see who she chooses and which direction we go with her. So, all right, I, I'm a well-known, as, as Ray knows, I'm a well-known PETA, um, P-I-T-A. <laughs> um, so oh. my, my question would be, you know, well, you talk to this fran- potential franchisee, are you going to talk to the franchisor? As a matter of fact, we are. Uh, we have already reached out to say, hey, we talked to somebody who's interested in your brand. And because of that, we want to know more about you. So uh, that person has agreed to be on the show. We are going to do an interview with him and kind of learn a little bit more about his brand and the group because he is in a franchise group of brands. Find out what exactly they're all about. 
So uh, we are very excited without divulging too much information before all of our partners know about it. Um, I will just leave you with the teaser that there's a lot of exciting stuff up and coming where you'll have an opportunity not only to meet the brand that she's looking at, but also a sneak peek at 10 brands that this gentleman is associated with. So. You know, I, I got to say, as I get people approaching me, um, I, I've always kind of wondered why um, they approach me because, you know, if I were going to do this, I'd approach you or Ray or Jerry or David. And somebody finally got it through my thick skull was um, they approach me because I get, because I'm not a franchisee and I actually do talk to you folk. So, wow, I get to be your megaphone. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of cracked me up. So, oh well. Yeah, um, you keep us on our toes. You like to, you, you, you get to be funnel of all the questions, and then you put it together in this neat little package, and then put us in a room and ask us the really hard questions on the spot to see who can really answer. Do you remember well. the old celebrity death match um, TV show? <laughs> I do. I do. So this is kind of my version. So. Interesting topic uh, this week, mistakes that franchisors make. I'm, I'm really interested in this because it's from that point of view of if I'm, if I'm a buyer, you know, I'm mm-hmm. the non-franchisee buyer, what do I got to watch out for? So shall we bring everybody yeah. else in? Yeah, let's bring them in. I think it's a great topic today. Certainly things that people who are looking to buy a franchise are going to want to know about. Okay. So take it away while I'm down here listening. Hey guys, it was, I'm good. It would only be our show if we talked about pillars of weather because that's Fred's stick, right? I love it. Sorry. I know. I wish I was really on the pier um, there that Fred has me in front of, but I'm not. I'm in Chicago where it is. Thank goodness, Ray, 84, I think right now outside. I've got 87.8 degrees. It's sweltering. Yeah, so I'm enjoying it. I'm in my happy place, minus the sand and sea behind me. I've just got green grass that needs. Um, how about you, David? Tell us where you are today. Yeah, I'm doing great. We're in uh, Miramar Beach, Florida, just outside of Destin, and it's 80 degrees and, and beautiful. It's the same forecast, same way it's been every single day, and looks like the same perpetual forecast. So it's pretty, pretty awesome. Nice, nice. Lucky you. And Jerry. Greetings from Iowa. It's in the upper 70s. We've had rain showers throughout the day, so the humidity is through the roof. It's sweltering, as Ray said. And uh, I'm ready for some consistent weather for change. Awesome. Good. Since I know that you're there surrounded by corn, I will tell you that the one thing on my list this weekend is to get my garden in. So let's hope that the weather cooperates so I can do that. Good luck. Yeah, thanks. Okay, so the 10 mistakes, or if we get to 10, I don't know, I think we'll probably not get that far, but that most franchisors make. So one of the ones that I wanted to kind of cue us up with is selling a franchise instead of evaluating and rewarding a franchise. Do you guys think that's a big problem? Ray, what do you think? And why is it a problem? 
let me make sure I understand the question. Can you repeat it again? Sure, sure. So selling a franchise instead of evaluating and rewarding a franchise. So in other words, putting selling a franchise over rewarding the existing franchisees. You could look at it that way, or you could look at it as I don't qualify you as a new franchisee. You just open your checkbook and write me a big fat check. And I don't really care about your background or what you have to offer. I just like your money. Well, I, I, I think you probably know my answer. And, and then I've said it before, as an entrepreneur, if you start, change, start chasing the bucks, you will not be successful. Mm-hmm. And you need to look beyond the bottom line. And yep. that's, you know, a lot of people look at entrepreneurs and say, oh, that's all they want is the, is the bucks. They want to chase right. the bucks. That's, you know, I think if you look at the most successful entrepreneurs, they are looking beyond the bottom line. They're looking at how they can help people. And through that, they will be successful. And I think there's a lot of French Zors uh, uh, who don't seem to get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, you know, once they get you on board, uh, you know, they forget about you. They're not there to help you. They're not calling you up and saying, hey, you know, what can we do? Can we, uh, you know, create a class so you can attend? Can we, sure. can we look at this situation or that situation and, and lend you a hand with that? Right. David, and what do you think? It's sort of think? like you're out there on your own. But not, I'm not saying that all of them are like that. Oh, no, no. We're just saying in general, what are some of the, what are some of the issues? David, yeah. what, what do you think about that? No, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it really comes down to the, the goals of the, of the franchisor. So what I have experienced was when they have an aggressive um, opening schedule that they have to hit or, or an aggressive amount of units that they feel they're going to open by a certain amount of time, then the criteria doesn't necessarily become let's find really good um, operators. It becomes let's sell, let's sell as many uh, licenses or franchises that we can sell and get them open as quickly as possible. And right. a lot of times I see that happen when a company's public because they have certain criteria they have to meet, you know, as, as they're putting out and, and what their board of directors may be requiring of them. And sometimes that means maybe we're just focusing on taking checks as opposed to building out a brand or building out a territory or, or building out an area properly. So that was my experience. I've seen that. I've been part of it firsthand where it was all about get units sold, get agreements sold, get units open, didn't matter you know, where the locations were, um, mm-hmm. didn't matter how close they were, didn't matter if it infringed on others, we just needed to meet our numbers, right? And it yep. became that old corporate mentality, of just get the numbers, meet the numbers. Yeah, I think you touched on something really good. And that's when you, when you start with a good brand, and then maybe you go public, and, mm-hmm. and you push so hard to make your shareholders happy, that you, you create this brand dilution, right? You're no longer, from my limited little perspective of of the world. Like, I think that happened with Sears, right? Well, I want to clarify my point before Jerry gets on. Okay. And that doesn't mean you don't, you stop looking at the bottom line. 
That's right. what means you're not laser focused on the bottom line because the bottom line will tell you or be a good indicator there's a problem somewhere. And right. you need to know that there's a problem before you can fix it. But if so right. many people are just laser focused on the bottom line and they forget about everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Sorry, that's all I need to say. Absolutely. Gary, what have you got to say about this? Well, I'm like David and Ray. I mean, I've seen this many times uh, in the past, and it still goes on today. You have a combination of franchisees or potential franchisees that get to a point where they're so excited and so driven to make that move and actually, you know, buy into a franchise. And then you get somebody, a broker or whatever it might be, that's anxious to make their numbers uh, or make the numbers look good. And uh, they're in more of a sales uh, pattern than they are anything else. And I, I refer to it as the quantity over quality situation. Mm-hmm. And w- what that means is they're, they're just trying to get as many people as they can, and they're not looking for people that can ultimately be successful. Maybe they don't have uh, the cash reserves necessary to handle, uh, you know, running it until you get to break even and above. Yep. Uh, maybe they don't have the management infrastructure to handle it or the background. There's a variety of things. Yep. But the one thing I would point out, and, and I think the comment about uh, – public, going public, I think that's got a lot of merit, but I would not eliminate the private, uh, privately owned mm-hmm. franchisors either because next year's sales are predicated on what you did this year because sure. more excitement comes with potential Zs when they see that you had a great year last year. So right. they've, all got, they've all got a goal, private or right. public, they've got a goal that they're trying to meet because that leads to the next level. So uh, sure. I would not take private out of that whole equation. Good, good point. I think, um, you know, I want to bring up one example and I'd ask you guys to, I I know for sure, David and Jerry, as you're explaining, I can see, I I can see in your faces that you know exactly a franchisor that you're talking about as we have this discussion. (laughs) And and I will tell you, I have a a couple franchisees in mind. Uh, Matter of fact, the three that I purchased from um, that just simply were not validated and awarded franchisees in a, a franchises in a, in a good manner. And I don't think that, that our franchisor at the time intended to do that. I just don't think the screening process was right. They were all great people, but I don't think they carried the, the correct skill set to manage the level of people um, that we have that work in our business. I don't think they were um, experienced in kind of the fast-paced, multifaceted type businesses that we own. Um, and so to me, you know, even when I first met the people, I was like, these people are not going to survive. Now, later on, they didn't, and I bought them out. And, and it was like, immediately when you meet them, you kind of know, like, this person is not someone who's going to be successful. What was my franchisor thinking? Um, David, do you have an example of somebody that you met that you knew was just, or, or a franchisor that you're like, they're just goofing this up like right now? Well, yeah, I mean, I was part of it and I was, um, you know, I was very picky with uh, the franchisees that I was trying to bring on into the system. And I've fallen behind my personal development schedule that they had laid out for me. So we had negotiation. They understood where I they understood where I stood because, you know, ethically I felt an obligation to the rest of the franchisees in that area to only bring in 
quality franchisees to make sure that the brand was strong and the area was strong, et cetera, yep. et cetera. And, and as, as, as um, Fred was mentioning, I don't care if that's public, private, whatever, um, I agree with him. The thing is, is the brand's only as strong as the franchisees. And I think what happens is that brands do get a little bit larger and, and they realize, wow, you know, we, won't, we need to kind of condense, condense this and only deal with our best operators. You see a lot of brands then try to get only self-franchise the multi-unit people or, or have current existing franchisees, buy out maybe some underperforming franchisees. And so they're dealing with the, kind of the cream of the crop, if you will. But, right. if, if, but, but if they allow that to go on much further, it will deteriorate the brand. There, there's no question about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Jerry, just be, before you answer, I just want to remind our listeners that if you have anything you'd like to weigh in, you have questions on this, or you have your own comments and maybe some experience with this, I just want to give you the phone number that you can call in, which is 323-580-5755. Again, 323-580-5755. Jerry, go ahead, hon. Sure. Um, one of the things that I believe is that uh, Zors fail when Zs fail. So if you don't have a good group of franchisees out doing their thing, then franchisors cannot handle their existing infrastructure, let alone grow. And we can go back in history. One of the things I'd remind everybody listening right now is much of this can be found in in the FDD when you read it uh, because they have to point that out. So just a continuing drumbeat about reading the FDDs of the uh, different groups that you're looking at, the different franchisors you're looking at. But, you know, what I've seen so much in history is many of our historically quick-growing franchisors out there tend to get in trouble 10 years after all of the excitement about them growing so quickly because that growth was fueled by sales. Sales were king during that era. And because they're kind of a fast-growing, almost new and emerging type franchisor, they don't have the infrastructure and the support and the education in place to further educate and support those new franchisees. Yeah. Uh, I can think of one in particular where uh, a franchisee who got in at the early part of it, and now he's 11 years into it, and he's having to go back and relearn everything he should have learned 11 years ago. He's kind of created his own mini franchise within a franchise just to survive and, and grow because the support wasn't there. And uh, now corporate is expecting him to do it the corporate way because that's the new thing, you know? Yeah. So now he's got to go back and be retrained. Even though he's found a level of success he's happy with, he's got to go through it all again. Yeah, it's really it's really crazy. You know, one of the things that um, it, when we get a moment, I'd like to um, talk a little bit about beginning with the end in mind. And we have to take a really quick commercial break. And then the last question I want to talk about with you three before we move on to our interview with Red Boswell is um, – we talk a lot about beginning with the end in mind, right? Whether that's your exit strategy, whether that's passing your business on to your children, whatever that looks like for you, right? And one of the things that came up in our conversation with Red, which which you'll hear is is the resale process, right? And franchisors not laying that out ahead of time, which I think is a big problem. So let's go pay the bills. When we come back, I'd like you both or all, all three, one, two, three, three of you to think about uh, what, what kind of issues do you think that poses for people who are into a 10, 15, 20-year contract for their franchises? Okay, Freddie, take us away. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? 
Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a Y.com. We're back. So uh, I was remiss in the first segment. I need to give a shout out to Mike Mascow of Roast to Order. That's R O A S T number two order dot shop. He's a Chicago, so um, he's a Chicago based uh, coffee roaster, and the stuff has been rocking our world. Um, and he's agreed to give our Pillars listeners a fifteen percent off. Your orders, if you um, use the uh, coupon code FRED, not spelled PH, just F-R-E-D-M-A-C-15, all caps, so it's FREDMAC15. This stuff's great. Um, we've been, we haven't bought any store-bought stuff uh, since Mike started sending stuff to. So if you're a coffee addict mm. like me, you want good coffee, Check out roasttoorder.shop. Now I am going to order some of that right now because well I have to wait till I have to show, but it smells yeah, just I can smell it just when you describe it, you know. Oh, okay. and, you your, your name uh, P-I-T-A. Now that's my P-I-T-A is my designation, and it's pain oh, in the okay. it's pain it's in like the good. yeah. yeah. So I'm going to start selling Fred P-H-R-E-D because that is classic. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually the um, – oh, and Mike, who is actually watching right now, said they ship nationwide, which obviously he shipped to me. But I will tell you the, the best version of this way to spell Fred was uh, from a Fresno Starbucks that s- spelled it P-R-P-H-R-E-A-D. <laughs> okay, now I've heard it all, but that would be yeah. Fresno for you. It is. Yeah. So. Awesome. I would have guessed Chico, not Fresno, but, you know, whatever. Hey, so let's talk about it, guys. What do you think about starting with the end in mind? I mean, am I the only one that, you know, when we signed on the dotted line, I was thinking, like, how long until I get the sand and the sea in my in my future? Well, Stephen Covey, I think, uh, definitely covered that quite well in his book. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... I, I think I've covered it on the show many, many times. You've got to start thinking right from the get-go about the end. And, of course, when you start, when you first start your franchise, you know, you, you got to think ahead what's going to happen next week. And then you got to go beyond that. Once you get past that week, you got to start thinking what's going to happen next month, six months, a year, five years, and then even 10 years down the road. Where are you going to be? How do you envision yourself? Uh-huh. You've got to you've got to start thinking right away. And I think in my case, I started thinking about who's going to be running the business. 
Right. And you got to start looking for the key employees within the people you have. And it works. It just works. You got to start thinking about it right from the get go. David, you obviously uh, moved through a resale. Was that outlined? Was that process, those fees, all of that, was that all outlined in your FDD? Do you recall? Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Chris. And I think this is an excellent topic for, for franchisees or prospective franchisees. Um, and, and what Ray's referring to, thank you, the end of mine, everything that he talked about um, is spot on. But here's the thing. Depending on your type of franchise, because they're all different, there's going to be a value associated with your franchise upon exit that you have to say, does this, am I building and creating this value of this business that allows me to exit the way I want to exit? And one of the things that, that it's spelled out in, I, I would venture to say in every single FDD. Yeah, or franchise but, agreement, right? Franchise Either one. Agreement. But I don't know how much credence everybody really gives to it. So in our case, say we have restaurants. Yep. Well, after every five or seven or 10 years, depending on your franchisor, you're going to have to come up with a refresh or a remodel. And it's stated in that franchise agreement that you are allowed or you're expected to spend up to call it $350,000. Well, if you felt that your business was worth, just use round numbers, $1 million, and, and you wanted to sell to this person, the new franchisee then has to bring it up to the then current standards they're going to have to come out of pocket to, to, to do that. So that makes the value of your business less because no one's going to pay full price for your business and then go ahead and pay to, yeah. pay to um, refurbish it. So a lot of times when franchisees are looking at their exit and saying, oh, my business is worth X, they have to really ask themselves, is it really worth X? Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's only what the market's going to bear anyways. Then it has to be a multiple of your EBITDA and all those types of things. But then the next part of that huge negotiation is, you know, where is it in the agreement and, and what, now the franchisor, a lot of times they have a right of first refusal yep. to take over to them. So there's, there's a lot of factors in that. And to get to where Ray was talking about, they need to be really savvy in all of those well in advance of that, that period of time that it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Jerry, you have anything to weigh in on this? I always have something to weigh in on every subject. You know that by now, Kristen. Um, this one's one of my favorites, and I think I could spend hours talking about just this one, and David and Ray both make some great points. You know, One of the things I'll point out is uh, you do have to start with the end in sight, but you have to also understand the end keeps moving. Because, right. for instance, in our case, we wanted to buy one location, and it was going to subsidize our retirement. Well, 20, 29, soon to be 38 salons later, we are still growing and still moving. So um, you have to keep adjusting. Um, you know, when you talk about valuation, that moves all the time too. David had a great point, you know, based on where you're at in the continuum, technology changes and your agreement will basically say when technology changes, you have to update. That's mm -hmm. another thing that goes into the negotiations, where you're at in leases and the condition of the property. And if you even want to stay in that location, will be a big part in it. And, you know, one of the points I'll make, because David talked about big negotiations, and sometimes you're talking about big numbers, but I've done three acquisitions on a napkin, you know, sitting down with the owner face-to-face -face and just saying, what can we do to make this come together? And then attorneys take over after that, of course. Right. But, um, 
But I would tell you, when you get into, when we get into looking at an acquisition, which is a piece of this whole big puzzle, uh, yeah. many of those things are laid out in the FDD as far as what the franchisor expects out of you for the transition okay. and all those kinds of things. They may give you some rough valuations based on the last couple of years of sales within the uh, company. And uh, But one of the things we look at is if we're going to do an acquisition, we want to know what that store looks like in two, three, five years under our direction. Because mm -hmm. when you're looking at evaluation, many times the seller is going to expect too much money out of it. Sometimes I'm willing to give a little bit too much money because I know I'm going to double or triple it in a couple of years. So maybe nobody else is interested in spending that amount, but for us in our organization, it might be a great fit. So yeah. there's a lot of moving pieces, and that's why you need all the help and advice you can get in these situations. Yeah, I'll tell you, on mine, um, when I did the purchase, the acquisitions, um, instead of taking on a lease, instead of taking on cars, instead of taking on equipment, I simply said, I only want the head count, the territory count. So, and I knew if my franchisor was going to sell it to me for a dollar and it was a struggling business, I might pay you 35 cents on the dollar if you're struggling. I might pay you 50 cents on the dollar. At one point, I got really, really low, and I won't disclose what that was, but pennies on the dollar to get the territory. Now, luckily for that type of a business, I didn't have any other debt. I think I threw them like 500 bucks for a washer and dryer mm. on top of it, right? One deal, I picked up a car, right? Um, and I paid that, you know, and you can do, David, kind of to your point, um, instead of giving them all cash, I said, okay, you carry the note for the business, for the territory count, and I'll pay you direct, and here's the interest rate I'll pay you. So you continue to get a check every month, kind of like a paycheck for the total that I owe you, I send them a check every month and they have, you know, if I were to ever default, of course, then they can always go back and pick up that territory again, but that's not going to happen. You know, so I just think that there's so many really cool ways to your point, David, of financing a business to this subject, to dealing with resales and acquisitions. I mean, a lot of great ways. And again, you know, for you guys out there who are thinking about buying a business, you know, don't hesitate to look into some of these businesses that are looking to get out of business because it's not all bad. Some of it, sorry, my dog's growling. Some of it is just quite simply because they're at the end of their journey, right? And so uh, if, again, if you're thinking about it, you have questions, our number is 323-580-5755. Fred, you want to take us to our next commercial? The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Women will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women, we are the Franchise Women. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. And Kristen in red, take it away. 
And good afternoon. Today we are here with Red Boswell with IFTG. Good afternoon, Red. How are you? Hey, Kristen. Couldn't be better. How are you? Good. It's a sunshiny day in Chicago. After the rain started out. Boy, here in Dallas, it's ugly. Is it? <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm happy for us today. It doesn't <laughs> happen very often. So, hey, today we're going to talk about some mistakes that the franchisors make, which is always interesting, right? Yeah. Hard to believe. Plenty of them. I've made them all. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody makes mistakes. So what what kind of mistakes are you seeing some of the franchisors make, do you think? Well, plenty. And again, I I, I am the chief of sinners here, guys. So I was a franchisor myself, founder of an organization for many years. Then I helped lead various franchise organizations. And now, um, as you might recall today with the, the International Franchise Professionals Group, I uh, we're basically known in the industry as a franchise consulting referral broker group. And so I, I consult with franchisors all day long, helping them optimize or fix their processes and get more leads, get more deals, grow their organization. So uh, I'm not just reading from a textbook here. I live it all day long. Right. Um, and the biggest one you hear me preach all the time is initial franchise fee, IFF, okay. too low. Too low. Okay. You're scared to charge a reasonable and fair price. Now, a lot of times I tell the Zor that, and they go, oh, well, we're not, we're not in this to make money on the franchise fee. Cool. Right. You shouldn't be. Now, maybe there should be maybe a little profit. You got to keep the lights on. Right. But there are so many things that franchise fee pays for. So many. I mean, from the marketing, I mean, the average Zor that's not a household name is right. going to spend a good $20,000 in marketing just to get to a real buyer. It's a lot True. of yeah, a lot of money at risk. Right, right. Um, and then, and then it included, included. I'm sorry to interrupt, but including that, it's like the grand opening package and all the stuff that really helps that new franchisee get open, right? Yeah, training. You got to pay right. your internal franchise development team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a whole lot to it. So okay, good. All right, so two low low initial fees. I hear I make every excuse in the book, like, well, you know, Papa John's and Pizza Hut only pay charge 25, so I can't charge more than them, and yet. You're not Papa John's and Pizza Hut. You know, you you've got to be able to pay the bill. And oftentimes, when they're making a life decision like this, these candidates truly making a life decision and buying a franchise, uh, an extra ten or twenty thousand is not going to matter. And if we're really honest, I think the extra ten or twenty thousand on that franchise fee will help you sell more because people want the best when they are making a true life decision. And so they're willing to spend a little more. They assume you're better because you're charging more. So don't be afraid to, to charge a fair and reasonable fee, which tends to be in the range of 50000 I mean, our average sure. we're seeing is fifty. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. I think um, for people who are looking to buy, that's where education comes in, too, from whether it be a broker or, or a franchise professional that says, listen, you have to understand what that upfront initial franchise fee includes right so that they don't just flip their magazine and say oh well this one's only fifteen thousand dollars and this one's seventy five thousand dollars so i'm going to go for the cheaper one right because it's not about what you can necessarily afford up front it's really about what's the best value for your investment right we've all bought printer printers and you get this super cheap printer and then you're paying a hundred bucks every month for ink so look at the the full package absolutely Excellent. What else you got? And I, I got as many as you want. We can go all day on this. Um, you can write a book. <laughs> I know, right? It's on the list. 
So this one's a bit off the reservation. It's a little different. You won't hear this one often, but it is, man, it's rampant. It's that franchisor not thinking through, thinking long-term for resales. Every resort in the world will have resales. Mm-hmm. What is the process of handling the resales? Uh, are, you, are you documenting it in your training? Are you documenting mm-hmm. it in your franchise documents? You, sure. can, you can address how resales are handled who, what's the obligation of the ZOR? What's the obligation of the Z? Who pays what? Who's responsible for what? Included in your training, included in your ops manual. It, there's so many nightmares I've experienced firsthand as the chief development officer, as the, the leader of you know, hundreds of franchise consultants that are referring folks. Resales should be a wonderful experience, and yet it tends to be a nightmare time and time again because the ZOR didn't think long-term, didn't think about five or 10 or 20 years down the road, and just didn't address it properly. So if I'm looking to buy a franchise and I'm going through the FCD, I should hope to find that resales are addressed in there somewhere, would you think? Yes, and maybe even ask. Now, that would be the one piece I would say is not necessarily required to be in the FDD and the franchise agreement, perhaps, more than the FDD, the second half of the FDD. But is it in your ops manuals? Who... A lot of franchise development reps, you go ask them that, they're going to get stunned. So franchise, if you're looking to buy a franchise, you want to throw a curveball at your franchise development representative. How do you handle resales? They're going to give you a surface level answer, but well, what if the lead comes from referral consultants? How do you handle it then? Who gets, am I responsible to pay the commission or are you? Is this legally addressed in our documents? Things like that. Great point. You know? Great point. Okay. Excellent. How about right, this one? This one's a little bit related. We mentioned FDD. So the FDD, franchisors oftentimes just view it as this legal document that we got to have. Uh, you know, they, 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 it's a disdain of their existence, right? Well, um, not treating it like a sales tool. Like, it's a great thing. This is a mm-hmm. disclosure document. You as a Zor, if you've got a great opportunity, you want to disclose as much as you can because the truth will set you free. I just made that yeah. up. That's the Bible. But um, in franchising, it will. And so use it as a sales tool. A lot of times attorneys in franchising, will they're just attorneys and they are deal killers. Now, right. I, lo- I love my attorney friends. Don't get me wrong. But you, you as the franchisor, the franchise development leader, need to talk with your attorneys that are and really put the verbiage, the terminology. There is an art and a science to it. And you want to optimize both to maximize the communication, because part of your brand, part of your culture is infused in that document if you do it right. You don't just want right. to sell document. They want, you want them to be able to feel you and know you and understand you through this legal document. So sure. really, really see it as a, a powerful sales tool for you. That's an awesome idea. I like that. And really, it, it's your opportunity to tell your story, right? It, it is a big part of that story, yes. Yeah. And, and so many people, right? We, we talk on the show about where the, you know, two or three sections that you want to make sure, you know, to look at very closely and why not make those sections the most exciting parts to read? Yeah. Yeah. And so oftentimes an attorney will say, well, you don't have any uh, franchises yet. You can't have an item 19. <laughs> Go back to law school, brother. You can have an item 19 <laughs> all day long. Just dispose of its <laughs> corporate locations. Right. And without an item 19 in today's environment, that's a huge red flag. Uh, you got to, well, you got to spin it real nice if you don't have one as to why you don't have one. Right, right. Very good. Awesome. Um, here's another one I see time and time again. 
underestimating the cost to get to royalty self-sufficiency. So we all want as a new or emerging brand to get to uh, a place where you can live off of royalties. Royalties are yeah. paying the bills. You don't got to worry about any other income streams. You don't have to worry about selling franchises. Um, royalty self-sufficiency can take a whole, it will take a whole lot longer than you ever expect it to. Mm -hmm. uh, tied to that uh, is franchisees will never work as hard as you did. I learned it the hard way. I still have nightmares about it because I was working hard, hard, hard. And I assumed, man, these franchisees can work as hard as I did. And they just yeah. didn't. You know, right. they didn't. They're not the hardcore entrepreneur that the, uh, the Zor typically is. Right. And that's okay. You just yeah. need to know that going in that they're not going to have the work ethic typically that the franchisor has. And so set your expectations, your uh, financial predictions back to a, a more conservative reality. Yeah, it kind of seems like every level you go gets a little more diluted, right, in the effort level. Yeah. 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 So, and that's yeah. true with a lot of things, I think. So yep. very good. Very good. So why don't you give us one more thing that you think is, uh, if you could choose from your list, because I know we could go on all day. Oh, my God. We could totally go on all day. Yeah, I got, I've got uh -huh. a good 20 plus. Um, you know, just the next one on the list. Here's a, they're all important is the operations manual and system is not kept up to date and not just in some random word document in Dropbox, but uh -huh. using real technology to keep your system up to date on every time you up, you're updating it weekly, five years from now, you will still be pro updating something in it weekly, most likely. So yeah. keeping it up to date having tracking mechanisms that will alert your Z's, not just an email or a text, but alert the Z's within your, uh, your technology that updates were made and then tracks when the Z's saw it and that they saw it. Mm -hmm. um, just things like that are so critical to optimizing your system, making sure people are within brand standards and you know, uh, making everyone more successful. That's great. That's, that's great. So what do you think um, when you – when you look at these mistakes that they're making, I mean, obviously they have their own legal teams. Most of these, with the exception of the new emerging brands, a lot of these um, Zors have been in business for a long time. What do you think it is that keeps them continuing to make those same mistakes and not kind of tighten up the ship and, and fix these things? Sure. It's, it's, I mean, I say this in love, it's ignorance. I mean, you know, we were all ignorant about franchising before we got into it. Sure. And so oftentimes, like me, we learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. We make the mistakes. We get the lawsuits. We get the failing franchisees at times. And we get the, the budgetary scares on the Zor side. And we just learn the tough way. Well, I'm hoping through, through things like this, I can right. help some Zors learn through my tough times so that they don't, they don't have to make them. It's not like they purposely don't want to know they just there's not a whole you don't get educated on franchising in kindergarten you know so yeah yeah absolutely well I think there's two takeaways um that that I would like to really shout out to our listeners because most of our listeners are potential franchise franchisees right because that's the bulk of our listeners are people looking to buy and and one is the too low initial fee right because I know a lot of us are price takers and, and rather than being a price taker, I think it's important to be a value seeker, there you right? Go. 
um, because I think there is a lot to be said for that. And I remember our opening package, we got the training we received and um, I do agree with you. And, and I get that price taker mentality when you see that low price and you think, Ooh, I could do that. Right. Because you're trying to figure out where you're going to get all this, all this funding and all this money. Right. And so that would go back to some of our previous shows when we talked with um, some of our financial people and our bankers and how to go about structuring these loans and, and things of that nature. So don't be scared off by um, a higher initial franchise fee because I think to Red's point, there's a lot of great things in there. And when you find a franchisor that has maybe a slightly higher fee than some of those rock bottom price-taking franchises. Amen. Um, the other one I really like, because we talk a lot on the show about beginning with the end in mind. Um, I think that that was a really good point you had um, about looking at resales, yes. right? Because at the end of the day, so I'm in my second 10-year term, halfway through my second 10-year term, and I am trying to get to the point where, do I want to keep doing this for another 10 years? Oh, 15, right? Because I got to finish this one and then go on to the next. Is this what I want to do? Do I want to buy another business that lays on top of this? Do I want to, you know, what, what do I want to do? And I think everybody has to realize that, you know, we talked to somebody yesterday who is looking and being a partner on a, a franchise that has a 20 year term. Mm. I can't even imagine myself <laughs> committing to anything for 20 years, right? Like that's just not in my makeup. <laughs> Certainly so, not marriage. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and I'm knocking on the door of 20 that, you know, and it's like, wow, I committed to something yep. for 20 years. Um, so it's really important for people to think about stuff like that. And I, it made me think, gosh, I don't even know if my FDD or my franchise agreement addresses resale. I know we've talked about it. Um, but again, to our listeners who are like, you know, I want to do this for 10 or 20 years and then I'm going to retire. Make sure you know what that looks like. So, yeah, um, so many, you know, uh, so many Z's make the mistake of forgetting that there will be commissions paid out, very likely paid out to whoever sent you that buyer. And so they priced it at, you know, X instead of X point one or two. And right. suddenly they are in a tough situation because they already gave the price to the buyer. And now they yeah. got to jack up the price. Well, they're not, the buyer's not going to let you jack up the price. And so, right. but the buyer's not going to pay your commission to the guy. And so right. what do you do? You're going to reduce the fee by whatever percent. It's, it's a frustrating time and it could so simple to handle sure. it. If you just just think about it beforehand. Yeah, and and actually the last three that I bought, I bought direct from my neighbors, uh, and so while we didn't have any commissions to pay, they yeah. still had to pay the ZOR, that like tr transfer fee or whatever it was, and it was a few grand. Yeah, and oh, yeah. they wanted to know, am I willing to pay? No. Why would I pay? All right, I'm already paying you my price. Sorry. <laughs> it's not my responsibility to pay it. You need to pay that. So, you know, and, and again, again, just being smart business people. And again, on the show, we just want to make sure that everybody has as much information as you can before you move forward into buying and investing into a business. Um, so I thank you, Red, for your time today. These were great. And I want you to make sure that as we go on, through these various shows, share some more of this stuff with us because this is great stuff. Thank and, you. Uh, I, I hope learned the hard way. 
Yeah, well, I hope some of the Zors listen to you, you know? I mean, why continue to make the same mistakes that others have if you can learn from people who've been there and done that? Well, love, love hanging out with you. Um, I'm excited about being a periodic guest on your show. It's, it's great what you do. And, you know, the, the Fred behind the scenes is uh, the mastermind behind it, too. So thank you, Fred. Thank you, Kristen, for all you do for franchising. Uh, thank you so much, Fred. Have a wonderful day. You too. Well, that was clearly yesterday. But we love having her right on the show. So again, thank you, Red Buzzle with IFPG. And now, David, what do you have for us today? Oh, I forgot. Before you go, we did have somebody write in or call in, and they were looking for our number again. So I have to scroll up to the top and cheat because uh, I have a really bad memory. Memory, memory. Did you hear that? For long phone numbers, and our memory. phone number is. Oh my gosh, Fred was that way to me. Text three two three. Five eight zero five seven five five again three two three five eight zero five seven five five. Please give a call and you'll speak with a very nice lady named Heidi who will help you uh, get the answers that you need. And if we need to put you on the show, we certainly will do that. Go ahead, David. I'm sorry. All right, no problem. Well, I thought today we talked a little bit about. Um, I think my title is, you know, stop lying to yourself, right? And <laughs> and because it, it never works. And what I what I really want to impress today is what happens what i see happen is a lot of people get a business idea and it's usually centered around one of two things something they really think they would love to do because it looks cool and it looks easy mm -hmm. and or something that they have complete experience in so they're an expert in it and a lot of times they say that's the business for me and what i mean by stop lying to yourself is that may not be and what happens is they don't, they overlook a lot of times I, I see people going in business and then they overlook potential pitfalls or they overlook um, as they're, as they're exploring a little bit, they might see some, some areas of concern. Uh -huh. They just kind of shove it to the side because it's still, it's something I really want to do and I know it'll be successful and that'll never happen to me. Uh -huh. so the red flags, right? Red flags. So I always tell everybody, I says, no matter what, go through the steps, go through the process, and have a team. And a lot of people say, well, I don't have a team. Well, a team is something you're going to have to acquire. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be something as simple as this, speaking to current franchisees in the system and allowing them to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. Sometimes you don't want to hear, as I talked about lying to yourself, sometimes you start hearing some of the things that maybe aren't the greatest thing of this business and you just dismiss them. Well, you have to, there's no perfect business out there. Every single business can have the greatest thing going on and Ooh, this kind of stinks. Right. And, and, but there's no perfect business out there. So everyone's going to have, you know, an, an area that you get to weigh that. But if you just dismiss some real serious red warning flags, just because it's something I, I want to do, I know it'll be great, blah, 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 blah. Then, then you might step into a, a real problem. The proverbial blinders, right? The, the blinders. So again, have some, have someone look, we beat this to death, have someone look at the FDD. What are the potential pitfalls that, that you don't know yet? Um, have an accountant look through the numbers. Right. What, what, what's the financial statement really speaking to? 
of a, mm-hmm. of a franchisee or, or even of a franchisor. Speak to the franchisees, get the real world experience of what it's like as a day in the life of, of the franchisee of this, this particular business. And then the last thing is really, it was referenced a couple shows ago, there's a book by Michael Gerber, The E-Myth. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talk about. A lot of times people get into a business because it's something that they're really good at. Right. So, wow. Then you become the technician. You become the person that does it all. You don't hire it out. And now all you've done is create another job for yourself instead of creating a business. And yeah. I always left. I'll never forget the comment when we, I first opened our business and it was a restaurant. So I said, you don't even cook. What are you going to do opening up a restaurant? I'm like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't planning on being the cook. I was planning on being the business owner, right? So, so my point is you have to be careful not to step into that technician role. And I encourage people, I'm not a selling Michael Gerber's book, but I have, I probably passed out a, you know, a dozen or two dozen copies of that book to people as soon as I hear, oh, I want, you know, I want to open up a business. And if it's in their area of expertise, I'm like, you better read this book. Yeah. I just gave one to my niece a couple of year, a couple of months ago, because all of a sudden she's taken off with this cookie business she's doing, and she loves making cookies. She loves decorating. She loves doing. So here, you better read this book before you go any further, right? Because next thing you know, you're going to hate making cookies. Yeah. Well, next thing you know, she's going to be asking you to mortgage your house <laughs> so she can buy your franchise, right? You can buy a franchise, right? So that's what I mean by stop lying to yourself. Make sure that you're getting good input from other people, and that you're not just telling yourself all the good things because every single opportunity is going to have some things that you're going to have to weigh against the good things to say, okay, can I overcome this? And how detrimental is this to what I really want in my life? Yeah, that's a really good point. Excellent. Thank you so much, David. I think that's really good advice. Very good advice. Thank you. Thank you. We'll look forward to hearing what you have to share with us again next week as we uh, come back to our listeners in your special segment. Thank you so much. Yep, you're welcome. Okay, and case in point, as uh, we get ready to talk to Jerry here in a few minutes, I think this is why Jerry is not a hair cutter, because he owns gray clips, right? That's got to be the case. And another reason why I'm no good at cleaning, because I own a cleaning company. That's got to be the thing. Anyway, I think that uh, David's suggestions and advice are very good for anybody to, to listen to. Um, and as always, he's got a unique perspective based on his past, as all of us do here on Political Franchising. All of us came from different places. We've all taken different approaches to business ownership, franchise ownership. Uh, we've all taken different paths in the way that we've acquired our businesses, the way we run our businesses. And we just hope that uh, while we're on the air and we have folks out there listening and watching us, that we have a little something for each and every one of you based on uh, the team here at Pillar. And with that, I take you to Jerry Akers. What do you have, Jerry? Good well, news? Great. Well, good and bad news. How's that, Kristen? Or maybe I should say good news and areas of improvement. Um, a little like blip that. from DC, as I like to bring us a little bit of stuff uh, going on in the nation's capital. So this week they made some changes to the uh, child tax credits. For those of you that are familiar with it, and as an employer, this is somewhat important because what that means is from July through December, if you have children, you can take payments out of your potential tax credit on a monthly basis, which uh, is designed to help you with child 
daycare issues and things like that as we're still recovering from COVID and so on. But in essence, it's also going to give people the opportunities to have more income coming in that is not related to a job. So it could extend the opportunity for people to stay at home a little bit longer. So we all know there's issues across America with filling jobs and so on right now. So, um, you know, kudos to the help going out to those parents that need it. But at the same time, it's going to make it more difficult for us. See, when you say child care credit, to me, I think of like you get credit for paying daycare while you go off to work. That's what I hear. Well, they're actually going to send you money. No, it's uh, it's actually a precursor to your uh, tax return. So, in other words, instead of getting you know five thousand uh, dollars when you do your taxes, you can do a draw against those, a percentage of that. And there's, it's, I won't go into all the details sure, sure, in the interest of time, but you can look it up. And there's X amount of money available depending on how old your children are, uh, and you can and how you get that out in that six month period and so on. Uh, so for parents, that's something they should look into. For employers, you need to understand that's going on behind the scenes. And okay. uh, the, the thing that's a little bit, you know, uh, it's the shell game again, Kristen. We talk about that quite often out of D.C., but you don't actually have to be in a situation where you're going to have a tax return and you can still draw this money. So people that don't make enough money to do tax returns still can apply for this tax credit and get a check. So you can see what that might do to people that are uh, interested in staying home as opposed to going out and uh, getting back to their jobs. So just something to keep in mind as you're working your way through uh, staffing and so on over the near future. So what I hear you saying is we're going to continue struggling to staff small business for a bit longer. I think probably it's (laughs) likely you've seen some of the states that have done away with the federal subsidy. Uh, I forget last count, it was 13 or 15 or something like that. So there's going mm-hmm. to be uh, there's going to be some changes coming that will make it a little easier to uh, to find employees sooner rather than later. But um, we do have a few hurdles to go over yet, and this is one of them. But the good stuff is what I want to talk about now. That's enough for awesome. that news flash. So Kristen, you have done a great job as I bring these little tidbits from DC of uh, asking the same question all the time. <laughs> Is this really a good time to get into a franchise? Should we buy a franchise now? And I typically say yes, because there's a lot of benefits. But I decided to give that a little more meat this week. So for the next couple of minutes, I'll go over some really quick stories. So I've done some interviewing of some of my uh, past mentees that I've worked with in various franchise models. So these are across the spectrum. You know, awesome. It could be hair care, it could be uh, fast food, could be fast casual food could be other service industries. And so, uh, you know, whether it be COVID recovery and the things that have gone on with that, or here in Iowa, we had a derecho, which I never heard of that word until last summer, but it's a land hurricane. Last summer, we had 140 mile an hour winds go across the flatlands of Iowa and lay uh, about a half of the state flat. So- Wow, I never even heard of that happening. I know, and you're just the next state over, so think about the whole country. Yeah, we had 140-mile-an-hour winds. So anyhow, the story is that the derecho put a lot of small businesses uh, at least behind, if not out of business. And then, of course, now we're dealing with staffing issues. So my questions Mm -hmm. all revolved around uh, all of these issues that, as a franchisee, we faced in the last year. Mm -hmm. And whether the franchisee thought, A, it was 
good that they were part of a franchise model, and B, if based on what they know now, they would do it again, right? Mm -hmm. Now, first off, it was 100% positive. Yes, we're glad we did it. Yes, we're part of the, we're glad we're part of the system. Yes, we would do it again. And here's some of the quick quotes. Um, we would not have survived COVID had we not been a part of a franchise model that gave us support and helped educate us and helped us learn how to work through, especially the financial part of COVID. Because oh, yeah. with the PPP and IDLE and some of those kinds of things, uh, I also talked to some mom and pop owners who were the last ones to sign up for anything if they remembered or had enough, you know, edu- not education, but, knowledge, you know, right? uh, support, knowledge, knowledge yeah. to do that right. So uh, this person said they wouldn't have survived COVID and the financial stresses of that if it weren't for being part of a franchise group. Um, wow. Another one said my franchisor sending help in the way of forgiving some uh, financial obligations, whether it be royalties, whatever the case might be. Uh, during the derecho was life-changing. It literally allowed us to keep some money in-house that kept us alive as we moved through that process. So that's a, maybe a once-in-a-lifetime situation, but the franchisor yeah. still helped out. Um, another one said, staffing is literally impossible right now, but I'm thankful my ZOR recognizes that and is engaging in a national campaign to help me with local hiring by you know, letting people know that the jobs are out there and they're good, solid jobs and those kinds of things. And uh, so those are just a a real quick, you know, quick hitting type version of the stories that I'm hearing from franchisees about why they decided that franchising was the right fit for them and why they would continue to move forward and not only expand their current franchise, but maybe even layer on another franchise, as you mentioned. Awesome. That's really cool. And, you know, I'll tell you something. Those um, franchisors that have stepped up during COVID and now as they come out of COVID, I, I think for, for them, while it may be um, a financial impact to them, I hope they realize the loyalty that they're gaining from their franchisees. And you know, those are the franchisees that when people call to validate, those are the stories that they're going to hear, right? And those are the things that Ray talks about all the time, about having uh, that camaraderie and that sense of community in the franchise organization. So hats off to those doors who are doing that because not everybody is, and I think it's fantastic for those that are. So. Well, a, a quick story about Great Clips because, you know, frankly, as a franchisor, they don't have to do anything in those cases. They can right. they, we bought our own business. We need to figure it out, right? Yeah. But but Great Clips uh, put millions of dollars of their own money into the recovery, whether it was through additional advertising, national advertising, uh, to get customers to come back in because mm-hmm. of the you know the care we were taking to make sure that they would be safe when they came in during COVID. Um, so there are there are a lot of things my initial franchisor is doing with their own money that has made yeah. a tremendous difference and will continue to. And there's stories about other franchisors that have done similar things, but in sure. the interest of time, we won't go through a lot of them. But, but uh, you know, to your question, you ask this quite often. Mm-hmm. I still maintain that if you want to go on your own and open your own business, hallelujah, more power to you. Mm-hmm. I wish you the best. I'll be happy to send you some books to read to help you out with it. Uh, but, if you really want to be a guy that's never cut hair in your life and own hairstyling salons 
or if you're like David and you're not really a cook, but you want to own restaurants or any of the other myriad of different uh, iterations of that that are out there, yep. franchising is the only way to do that and, stand, and have a chance of being successful. So I love your question. Keep asking it. I'll keep coming up with answers. That's awesome, Jerry. Thank you so much. I couldn't have asked for a better testimonial than that, that you brought straight from the proverbial horse's mouths of franchisees everywhere. Thank you so much. You bet. Fred, I understand that the stars are telling me you have a comment. So I have a question, actually, before we go down the rabbit hole. So you said the derecho knocked Iowa flat. What? It made it concave? How flat, much more flat can Iowa get? I mean, I've driven that Fred, section. It's Fred, pretty flat. Fred, I have had friends from other parts of the country that come to Iowa who are either bikers or joggers. Every single one of them will tell you Iowa is not flat, flat at all. Uh-huh. So get over it, dude. I think it's time for Fred to take a road trip. Yeah. Come on. We'll have Fred jog up and down these hills for a while. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, there's no reason for me to go there, but I mean, Fred, you should go check it out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So we're going to unmute Ray, who's ready to explode, and we're down the rabbit hole. Um, sadly, I have the wrong in the matrix, but today's question is actually um, ripped from the headlines, as they would say on Law & Order. Uh, within the last two days, the news has been made that the Department of Defense will be testifying in front of uh, the U.S. Senate on all the UFO sightings and all that good junk. So the federal government is actually going to, uh, uh, so to speak, come out of the closet about UFOs. So since our topic is mistakes franchisors make, can you feel it coming? What mm-hmm. do you think the first mistakes that alien franchisors bringing their franchises to the to Earth will make, and how will it affect mankind? Who wants to take a swing at that one first? That's deep down the hole, buddy. That's way at the bottom of the hole. Yeah, there's no light to be seen there. <laughs> come on, come on, bring it. Who's... Jerry opened his mouth first, so he gets first shot. I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit, and then the rest of them have to figure it out from there. So Smart man. Thanks, Jerry. Mistake the alien franchisors are going to make is they're going to do away with all of the local flora and fauna, including human beings, and later on they're going to discover there's nobody to do the work. There's nobody to build things and do things, so it'll be all in. Nice answer, because you literally put the, you know, the what would happen to mankind in the answer, in the first part. Oh, dude, we got we to gotta give you some applause for that one. Give me a second here. And Kristen, she made her, she, she actually got her mouth open before Ray did. So we're going to let Ray follow up at the end. That was me going, oh, that was really loud in my earphone. (laughs) 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 You know, I am appalled at this question, really, because I'm completely dumbfounded to find an answer. I, 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 
you know, I guess my big issue that I think they're going to have is how they are going to devise a system that will integrate both humans and aliens in their entire process. Because I, I'm, I'm a little more optimistic than Jerry. I hope they're not going to just like eliminate us. I hope that there will be uh, a way in which they can figure out where we all live here together. Like, I don't know. I, I, so that's a really Ooh. lousy answer, I know, but it's kind yeah, of a lousy can we, question. Can we sing Kumbaya now? Kristen's kind of got me. I want to hold up a candle and something. <laughs> Let's all just get along. Ooh, the snark know, doesn't right? come from me either. Yes, I'm I rubbing know. off. Well, just, you know, I, I, I think I'm a little hippie at heart. Sorry. You're uh-huh. crabby. You're uh, crabby yes, today. I can take off my crab thing. Uh, quick, quick, it's getting late. Um, I think not only will aliens work with entrepreneurs, they are working with entrepreneurs. And what they're finding out is that it's going to be their downfall. It will be their downfall. You know, they can't compete with us. (laughs) (laughs) Really? All right. So, folks, you've heard the gamut from we'll overwhelm them to they're going to eat us. Obviously, the truth is somewhere in between. We'll be back next week with another exceedingly educational, interesting, and if I've got anything to say about it, slightly weird show. That's for sure. Welcome back to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Live Thursdays, 5 p.m. Eastern. We're out. God, I love being able to cut us out just in time not to hear them say that.